0: Heavenly Father, I just ask you for an impartation of the Spirit, divine power and revelation to come forth, Father, that I can speak your oracles, the oracles of God today that sets people free, that draws people to you, Father, that you get glory in this day. Father, we thank you for it and we bless you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Galatians 5, let's look at verse 13. It says, for you, brethren, have been called to liberty. That word means freedom. Well, Harley, one of their symbols is, is freedom. Well, let me tell you. Well, if you rode here on a rice burner and you just got a Harley, okay, that may be a little level of freedom. But freedom is knowing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is real freedom. Amen? Sorry for all you guys that ride them rice burners, but I just, I love you. So, it goes on to say, we're supposed to be free. Well, free from what? Free from what? Free from bondages, free from sin, free from debt, free from pain, suffering, amen? Jesus bought and paid that for each and every one of us. And his power is here today to set you free, to bring you up and deliver us, amen, that we can walk in a life of freedom. Let's go on and read and it says, only do not use liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Through love, God is love. Love is a choice. It's a decision. You choose to love somebody. God chose to love us, amen? While we were yet sinners, he sent his son. You choose to love somebody even while they're stabbing you in the back. It's a choice, amen? And it goes on to say, through love, serve one another. Do what? Serve. Love serves. Love gives. Love prefers. It serves other people. If you want to see people saved, you want to see people come to the glory and revelation of Jesus Christ, serve. There was a couple months ago, me and my wife were out on a, uh, a bike meeting, rally, put on by an outlaw club. And uh, for obvious reasons, I won't mention club names, but it was one of the biggest clubs in the world. And there's this, there's, this, there's this Bob. Anybody know what a Bob is? A big old boy. And he was, I mean, he was a mountain of a man. And uh, the Lord just put him on my heart. So we've got me, this small guy, well, just to ask me, maybe I'm not, but we got me and I'm looking at this guy and the Lord just put him on my heart and I tried to say hi to him and uh, so a little while later, uh, well, so I got quiet and I was praying underneath a tree and you know, we were helping this club, we were doing some stuff with them, they were cooking burgers, we were helping them cook and stuff and just loving on them and uh, a car came in, and this lady got out with this little baby, and he walked up and picked up the little baby and gave her a hug and kiss and stuff. Well, I walked up, and I said, man, is that your baby? Just a few weeks old. He said, yeah, and I said, man, can we pray over your baby for you and over you so you could raise this baby that is protected? Man, his eyes just lit up, Amen. and he's like, yeah, would you do that? So I prayed for him and prayed over the baby and stuff, and I said, I said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he points to his forehead. Man, he had a big forehead too, man. <laughs> Massive thing. And I said, yeah, that doesn't matter. I said, I said, Jesus could care less about that. He cares about your heart. And I'm tapping him in the heart up here, you know. I mean, <laughs> felt like a little kid, you know, sitting next to their dad. And he points to his head. And I said, man, that doesn't matter. He said, he said I can't get saved with this on my head. I said, why did you do that? He said, to freak people out had a big six, six, six tattooed on his forehead. But see, Jesus doesn't care about that. He cares about a man's heart. Yeah, right. So what? He did something one day that was to put that on his forehead to get attention, but he didn't want to go to hell. And before, before we got done, man, he had tears running down his eyes, got saved right then and there in the middle of that camp with all his brothers there. Well, come to find out, we were supposed to get together on, that was on a Sunday afternoon. We were supposed to get together on the, uh, the next week. He happened to be from the West Coast, but he was in Missouri. He was hiding out from some guys that have this little symbol on their back that says FBI. So he was hanging out there with us. And um, come to find out that they had busted him two days later. What if we weren't their servant? Where would he be for eternity? He may be saved, but he may not be. But if you go out and you serve people and serve one another, God will get glory. Amen? Amen. My question to you today is where are you serving the king, the creator of heaven and earth? Amen. Let's continue reading on. Man, that just blessed me about that. Well, I told him, I said, he said, well, what am I going to do about this? I said, put a circle and a line through it. And he got this big, big smile on his face. He says, man, that's cool. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good response for him. You know, what am I going to do with this? God doesn't care about that. He cares about a man's heart, right. yeah. not something on the outside. Exactly right. The only difference between him and me is some of the things he did, he got caught. Yeah. When I was younger, I did, anybody here ever do some stupid things? Don't raise your hands. You know. <laughs> I'm going to go over today some, some reasons why people don't serve the King of Kings and don't serve in their church the way they're supposed to. In the Amplified, the Amplified of this verse, it says, Only do not let your freedom be an incentive to your flesh and an opportunity or excuse for selfishness. For selfishness. You know, a lot of clubs are like, love you, brother, but I got I to thump you. That's not love. Amen? Love it prefers. Love protects. Love covers. And it says, goes on to say, through your love, you serve one another. I was um, in Band when I lived up in Colorado and I saw these motorcycles down the racetrack and I saw all these outlaw bikers coming up around the different pits and stuff. And I told my wife, I said, I'm going to race. And she looked at me like, you're going to do what? You know, the same thing. Look, she gave me whenever I told her we were going to minister to outlaw bikers. I went and went ahead and went out and bought a bike pro level bike. I didn't know a clue about drag racing, but I went and bought a bike that you're supposed to be racing and move up through the ranks before you ever get there people are laughing at me and stuff i had no clue what i was doing i was just trying to be led the romans eight fourteen says the sons of god are led by the spirit of god so i was just trying to be led man to me it was a tool oh it was a fast tool it was cool man i mean i am blessed i get the opportunity to to my pulpit is a harley i mean that is a blessing of god amen so he told me to do this, and I saw, man, this is an opportunity to go minister to people. It's a tool. And I had to deal with myself of, well, am I doing this for selfishness, to be on a bike racing? That's pretty fun. You know, who wants to go, you know, the speed limit? <laughs> so I went ahead and got this bike, and um, then I started finding out it costs money to race in a pro level. One guy, one guy started laughing at me at the track this day. We were talking about some of the cost and stuff. His beer budget was more than my budget for the whole year. <laughs> so I'm thinking, okay, you know, I see some of his sponsors, and I thought, you know, maybe I could get a sponsor. You know, Jesus is Lord on the back. I was a chaplain for the racing circuit, and I thought, Jesus is Lord, Chaplain Methane Mike sponsored by Budweiser. <laughs> yeah, that just didn't sound to me like that was probably a good plan. But God is our source of supply, man. And as we took steps of faith and went out, he met every need we had. He provided for us, amen? I was talking to a gentleman out front here, and he's like, man, I want to get get involved. And he goes, "Uh, you know, one of these days, I'm going to get a motorcycle. I said, man, take a step, start serving, and God will provide that tool for you. He will bring it in for you. You need something done in your life, find out where you can serve, where you can help other people, and God will bring you up and out, amen? Well, there was a day in... uh, Let's see, it was um, May 19th, 2002. I'm at the track. And man, it was a nice day. I told the guys, let's, let's go ahead and get the bike ready. But there was something inside that said, mm, you know, today's not your day to r- race. Man, I, I'm, in, I, I'm out there to race. But see, there's a day that you're supposed to seek the Lord and whether or not you're supposed to serve or be fed. You remember that story with Mary and Martha? Jesus would, he say, man, when Jesus calls your name twice, that's when you just get on your knees and start to repent. He's like, Mary, Mary, there's one thing that matters. There was a day that she was supposed to be serving food and cooking, but that day she was supposed to be at the feet of the master getting fed. Well, I was supposed to be loving on people at the racetrack. They'd always, different people would come by. They'd ask me to come by their track, by their, by their race trailers and their pits. And he asked me to pray. A lot of wives asked me to come pray for their husbands. You know, for some strange reason, they see the guy going down there. He's been drinking beer, and they know he's getting ready to, to go down the track. It opened up a lot of doors to pray. Amen? And that's what I was supposed to be doing that day. Well, they call pro bikes. I ignored it. I'm like, let's go, guys. Let's get down there. So we're down there and in the pit at the starting lines, you know, and a few people come up, and I'm praying over them. Still had that eerie feeling in my gut. And I ignored it. I was supposed to be serving that day, not just racing. I was supposed to be ministering to people the goodness of God. And uh, how many here have ever lived a life where they've got everything right every day? Because I want to meet you. Because that's not me. And I missed it. I missed it big time. I'll come back to that a little bit later, but so we're at the track. Remember that. Okay. Well, some Christians are very selfish. When I was racing, I told the people that were in my pit crew, one thing we don't do is strife. See, strife is the manifest presence of Satan. You ever walk into a place, a person's home and you walk in a door and you can just feel it. There's been fights going on in there. You can tell it. They're putting on a big smiley face, fake. Anybody here ever done it? I have. That's the manifest presence of Satan. I said, we can't have that. You allow Satan to come in with strife, you're opening the door for problems. That's a problem with a lot of churches today. They allow strife to come in in their teams and in their groups. And God's not being glorified. He's not being built up. He's not being manifested. When there is peace, see, the, the spirit of God is a spirit of peace. It's a spirit of joy. Man, you want the power of God? Avoid strife at all costs. Keep that door closed. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's let's continue on. It says, for all the law is fulfilled with one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Will anybody here like to be served? See, I like to be served. You can ask my wife. She'll tell you that I like to be served. But see, that's flesh. You want a strong marriage, you need to serve each other. Amen. Prefer each other. There's no matter what you try to do with education, money, you can't fill that void. When God says to serve one another, you can't fill it with anything other than serving your brother, serving your sister. There will always be that void, that emptiness until you get out and do what God's called you to do. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I remember, uh, there's this other outlaw club. There's, um, a, a lady Sharon I met and she was from, she was from the Bronx up in New York. Man, she was tough. I would, if, if I was in an alley, I want her on my side. I mean, even if that big old Bob was there against me, I want her. She was tough, man. And, uh, you know, we found out that she's, her two sons are, well, one of them w- was, was killed. And the other one was in prison. He was in a, a club. And uh, the reason he was in is because he blew up the clubhouse of one of their competitive enemy clubs. So the feds kind of decided it would be good to put him in a in pen for a few days. And so she's raising her, her other kids and the grandkids. And man, they are. you ever been to a place where you didn't even feel like comfortable sitting down on the couch? So the Lord put it on our heart for us to go ahead and buy her a van to help her fix her house up and to support her as a widow. I mean, her husband had died and she's still raising little kids and grandkids. And so we started uh, taking care of her, supporting her every month. And uh, she called me, Yup. I don't know why she called me, Yup, but it became known throughout their club that I was Yup. Short for Yuppie. Yeah, okay, no comments. (laughs) And uh, so she she called me, she passed away not too long, but she called me Yup for years. Because of us ministering to her, ministering the love and the goodness of God, she got saved. Man, she was a hardcore woman. And uh, because of that, her kids got saved. Well, her son who's in prison... For the club, expected her as brothers to take care of his mom. It never happened. He ended up getting saved and out of the club. Man, his, his forearms are bigger than my neck. He is a massive man. And because of serving and lo- loving on him, he got saved. You know, that's just the goodness of God. As you serve, and don't expect it to pay. See, Jesus doesn't pay on payday every Friday, but he does pay. Amen. You serve him and he will take care of you and he will bring people out. Don't give up on people that you've been ministering to and loving on for years. Amen. You keep it up with expectancy. God will bring them up. Amen. He will bring them out. Let me give you another reason. I mentioned strife. Let's continue on with this. It says, but if you bite and devour one another, be less, be beware lest you be consumed by one another. I like the NLT that says, but if you are always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. Beware of destroying one another. There was um, another guy. I remember this kind of a funny story. And he calls me one day and he goes, Hey Mike, he goes, he goes, pray for me. I'm like, all right, man. He goes, I got to go take care of some business. He goes, I got to go thump a guy. And I'm like, man, I thought you got saved. He goes, yeah, I did. But he goes, God and I talk every day. He goes, we talk. And God says, it's okay. It's just business. He goes, now, if I was upset and just thumping him, he goes, that'd be sin. But he goes, it's business. It's club business, so that's okay. (laughs) So he went and thumped the guy, and he called me back and he says, I only thumped him a couple times. He goes, I did good. So... So when you're ministering to people, you've got, you, you, you've got to understand where they are and don't judge them. Amen. Well, he called me not long after that. And he was down in Laughlin at the River Run. And he called me He said, Mike, it's a good day to die. And I said, it's not a good day for you to die, brother. It's a good day for you to live. And uh, he said, well, some things are going down. Well, we ended up praying with him and stuff. There was a shootout in a casino down there between two clubs. He ended up leaving. He was in the middle of it, and he ended up leaving the clubhouse to go back to his hotel room three minutes before the shootout started. It pays to be led, but you know what? What if we did not love on him where he was? Did not go into the highways and byways and preach the gospel so that, so that the church may be full? He'd probably be dead right now. He was right in the middle of it. But he is a, he, he's an awesome guy, a guy today. He's alive. He's doing well. But see, that's strife. Men died that day because of strife. One reason people don't serve in the body of Christ is because there's strife in the church. They don't want to be a part of it. So there's too much arguing going on. There's people that's family reunions. People don't show up because every time they show up with the family, there's fights. That doesn't give God glory, man. Go in trying to figure out how you're going to serve your family. How you're going to serve those those in-laws or outlaws if you've got some like I've got. First time uh, my uh, mother-in-law met me, um, we rode from Houston to Dallas to meet her, and we had ridden in through the rain and everything, you know, all she had heard is, you know, a little bit about me. And man, my face was just black with mud from riding through the storm and stuff. And that's the first time she met me. She's looking at my wife like, what are you bringing home? By the way, Shera, would you please stand up? This is my pretty wife, Shera. Let's uh, put up with me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Well, another reason why people don't serve is lack of training. Sometimes that's due to lack of leadership. Leaders are supposed to train. Leaders are supposed to correct. But a lot of times it's due to rebellion. People just are not willing to get up and do it. Not unless they can have the cush job. Not unless they can have the place they want. Not unless they've got the title. Well, see, God doesn't promote people based on their education based on how much money they've got their title the bible says god says to prove before you promote test them test them a lot of people aren't getting the blessings of god in their life because they're not serving because of the pride because they are not willing to do something unless they get a certain title or a place oh pastor i'm willing to help you but i want a place on the stage man that drummer he is anointed man he is a good drummer man he is good if you would, turn with me to Ephesians 4.11. Man, get strife out. It'll hinder growth. It'll hinder... You guys want to take this valley from the north, south, east, and west? Bring unity. Stay out, of, stay out of strife. Stay out of arguments between people of different churches, man. Unity. Jesus prayed that we be the unity of faith. Not unity of doctrine. Unity of faith. You believe Jesus is Lord? Man, you're my brother. Amen. Paul only knew in part. So you know how much that means I know? A little piece of a part. It means I don't know much, amen? Ephesians 4.11. How many in here are saved? That that means you're a saint, right? Quite a few hands went up. And it says, Ephesians 4.11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping. The King James says... For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. Who does the work? Uh Uh-oh. I just set you guys up. The saints. All you that raised your hands, where are you working? For the perfecting. That word perfecting doesn't mean perfect like we think it does. It means the equipping, the maturing, the completion, the growing up. That you can do the work of the kingdom. I've only been in full-time ministry for a couple years. The previous 23 years, I was doing software industry stuff. But I spent more time out in the field ministering than I probably did in in the software industry. What are you doing for the kingdom? Amen. Let's continue on. For the edifying of the body of Christ. That's the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Your pastor is a gift to you, amen? He is a gift from God to build you up, to edify you. Notice, I didn't say to make you perfect. God wouldn't put that on him. To make you guys perfect, looking around? No, no. For the maturing of you, for the equipping of you, that you can do the work of the ministry, amen? To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried away, about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, you know there 's too many people that uh, are not getting trained up because they aren 't willing to serve, and then they get into a battle, whether it be a financial situation, a marital situation, a physical attack and The reason why they can 't fight that battle is because they expect to go to, your, to go through boot camp and to learn everything that they should have learned the past five or ten years serving. And now they're in the middle of the battle and they want to go through training in the middle of battle. You need to be serving, being equipped and being brought up and matured every day so that whenever the enemy does come, you can stand and you can fight and live in victory. Amen. Amen. See, there's too many Christians that aren't winning. Oh, if their name's in the man's book of life, they've got victory. They have won the ultimate fight. But I'm talking day to day overcoming because they aren't serving where they're supposed to be, aren't being equipped and trained. Amen. I'm preaching good to you. Don't trip me down whenever you're hearing some good word. I may be beating your flesh a little bit, but hey, it'll do you good, right? It'll even help you. You know, when I was racing, I had to learn when I first went out, man, I thought I was just twisting the wick, man. Pop the clutch and twist the wick. The first time I did that and that power came on, man, it freaked me out. I'm like, whoa. And then I realized, wait a second, I need to learn from people that have more experience, that have knowledge, that's been there. I need to go and, and ask them questions. See, pride assumes, humility will ask. It'll learn from other people. And so I realized that whenever I was starting out, especially at the level that I started, I started out in the, in the middle of the pro ranks. That's not normal. Whenever you, you, you're getting ready to do something, find out from people, find out from the leaders, what can you do? Don't set. well, I'm available to do this. You should be available to help the leadership fulfill the work of the kingdom at their time, the time they need you, how they need you, doing what they need. Amen. You want promotion? See, God doesn't promote based on how long you've been someplace. I know, I know a lot of places in the country do. Right? How long have you worked someplace? That's how you get promoted. In the kingdom of God, that's not how God promotes. He promotes based on your service, your heart. Amen. You can have a great call on your life, but if you aren't willing to go up and mop the floor, who here would ever give somebody the keys to the cash register to somebody who's not willing to even show up and carry a box from here to here? You aren't going to do it if you've got any wisdom. So why would you expect to be promoted in the kingdom of God without you to God doing expecting you to do the little things? Amen. Be tested. Well, there, whenever I was racing, I had to learn it wasn't just going up and twisting the throttle, releasing the clutch. Man, there was a game going on. Who was going to get in the water box first? That's where you, you spin your tire and heat them up. Because if you do it too early, the other guy's going to sit there and just let your clutch plates heat up. Let your engine heat up so you blow your engine. He wins the race before you even get started. See, a lot of Christians are letting the enemy set them up. You're running their race. You're running Satan's race rather than your race. You need to run your race, the race that God has called you to run. Amen? Amen. So I had to learn not to play their games, but to run the race for me. A lot of boxing. I boxed as a kid, and I found out not only did I not like to get hit, but I didn't really like to hurt people either. Great sport for somebody who doesn't like to get hit or doesn't like to hit. But girls thought it was pretty cool, so that's why I did it. Truth will set you free, amen? I wasn't very good at it either, but you had to, you have to have discernment about when you're serving, when you should be serving versus listening. And when you do serve doing it the way that the leadership wants it done. Amen. Hallelujah. But speaking truth and love, there was a commercial a few years ago. It was pretty bad, but this wife came in and says, does this dress make me look overweight? How would you ever answer that one? You know it's a setup. There's times whenever the enemy will try to set you up that you need to set back and think: How do I speak truth and love? Never lie. There's never a reason to lie. Who's the, f- the, the the father of lies? Is the enemy of my soul. There is never a reason to lie. But you should always ask yourself: Okay, how do I answer this? Do I need to take time? Do I need to change my voice? Do I need to change my tone? ask, is this going to edify, build up and encourage them or tear them down? Amen. But speaking truth and love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. You know, babies are selfish. Anybody here ever have a baby at 2 a.m. screaming, wanting something? They're selfish. Well, see, Christian babies are the same. They want everything right there. Now, if you've only been saved two days and you're not serving and expecting to be served, that's the way it's supposed to be. But if you've been in in a church for 30 years and you're still wearing diapers, that's a problem guys. It doesn't look good. You know, that guy that said he needed to go thump somebody, he hadn't been saved that long. Whenever he said, I got to go thump him, He was a baby. Right? If he had been in a church for 20 years and said, I got to go thumping, that would have been a different situation. But he was a baby in the Lord. But he was talking to God every day. Glory to God. Amen. You are where you are. But if you've been involved in a church a long time, man, it's time to grow up. You know, there was a, a guy that was in the outlaw club 25 years. And man, he wouldn't respond to us. He was mean. Even in the club, they thought he was mean. And uh, he was known internationally. Well, his father died. And me and my wife and some other people in, in our ministry were praying about what we could do. So we did a blood drive for him in honor of his dad because we knew his dad had a, blood, a lot of blood transfusions. And that's what the Lord put on our heart. And I went to him and told him what I wanted to do. Man, it opened up the door for him. He was receptive. That was one of the biggest blood drives, I don't know, uh, at the blood center that, in Denver that they told us they had had. So we put this on. Well, man, he opened up the door wide open to us. Well, he ended up coming to a biker Sunday and got saved. And this guy was in the club for years. One percent, known internationally for some of the things that he did. And so he, he got saved. It was funny. Whenever he went up, he was a, the chapter, well, I was actually the regional president. When he walked up, everybody that was there from his chapter, they were only there because he showed up. You know, the boss is going, we got to go. So he shows up, he walks up to the front, and all these guys at the altar call are looking at each other like, what do we do? So before you know it, the whole altar call, is, altar is filled up with these 1% outlaw bikers over him. Well, a little while later, he called me and he said, Mike, he goes, I'm going to have to start some of my old businesses. He, he had a lot of, he was an entrepreneur. He was in a lot of different businesses. Like if you had gold, he was in a business to get it. If you, if, you had, if you had nice parts on your Harley, he was in the business to get it, you know, it's, So he was kind of an entrepreneurial guy, and um, so um, I think you can figure out what he was. I, I realized one day, not too long after I got to know him, that I took my bike there for some maintenance, and then I realized it was a chop shop and thought, man, everything on a bike that says Jesus is Lord on it, all these new parts are probably stolen off of somebody else's bike that's been chopped. So he called me, he said, Mike, he goes, I may have to get into some of my old businesses to pay for my family, some of their expenses. And I'm like, well, what's going on? Well, come to find out, he had filled out like over 200 applications, you know. And on his job, 25-year, 1% outlaw biker president. Never got calls back for some reason. But let me tell you what. Many Christians will lie on an application where this man had integrity. Well, I trust that you enjoyed the first portion of this Biker Sunday service. And I encourage you to stay tuned for the second half of this message as it builds your faith and encourages you to fulfill your call and fulfill your destiny that God has put on your life. Amen. Have a blessed day.